Welcome to Shutting It Bangs. I'm your host, Julia Razzi, and today's guest is, oh, she is host of The Circle. She just won a Critics' Choice Award for her special Bootopia on Netflix. I think the biggest credit, we'll both agree, is that she's one of my closest friends for a very long time. Please welcome... What's up, Hotel, bitches? Yay! <laughs> I miss you so much, and I feel like I haven't seen you and most people and, like, in forever. I miss you. I miss my friends. I miss having a pedicure. I miss so many things. I've never missed so many things. You know? I had my first pedicure. Oh, how'd it go? A few Did you weeks cry? ago. Did, was I it think- a gentle weep? I, it wasn't a gentle weep. It was in Columbus, Ohio, because I was visiting my husband's family, and I went with his mom and his grandma. Uh, and I think I was soaking in that more. I couldn't like fully focus on the pedicure because I was in such awe of being with family. Yeah, the generations too. It's just like that's that's why you put on a t-shirt. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, I do have to share with listeners that we tried to record. <laughs> so perfect. We tried to record a couple weeks ago, and you couldn't find headphones. Yeah. And you started crying. (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember what all happened that day, but I remember thinking in that morning, that morning, like, wow, I really got it together. Like so crazy that I have all this stuff to do. And by 9am I've done a whole list of shit and I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. And then I had your podcast to do in the afternoon and I didn't realize that I needed a headset. And I also thought it was on camera and not just audio. And so I like put on mascara or whatever I consider makeup <laughs> and did a bunch of stuff. And then, um, uh, yeah. And then I couldn't find the headset and that just was the straw that broke the camel toe. And yeah. thank God it was your show and not like somebody who doesn't know me to be like, Oof, what drugs is Michelle on? Well, and also it's a show about breakdowns. So <laughs> It was like, I almost, I mean, I let you get off the phone because the audio would have been, or off the pod because the audio would have been shitty and you were clearly going through something. But there was part of me that was like, ooh, live breakdown. Like, this is <laughs> what on the scene. Oh, man. I feel like, I don't want to speak for you, but I do feel like the times that I've seen you, we've both seen each other break down quite a bit. I mean, I stayed my, like, strongest... I don't want to say my strongest memory, but like when my heart bursts for you, I think of when you so kindly let me stay in your studio apartment on the Upper West Side while you were doing college gigs and I was avoiding my upcoming wedding. And there was this one night, you weren't there, but there was this one night I put on, um, oh my God, I always forget the name of the band, but you had the CD just to date yes. us. This, this is how long ago it was. Yes. Yeah. If you don't know what CDs are, please Google. Yeah. <laughs> it was a CD of uh, Everything's Changing. Keen. Keen. It was Keen. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I listened to Everything's Changing on repeat, Keen. And I was on your floor weeping. I was like, I'm so glad she's not here. And then I walked from your place on like 80th 
two times square because I thought it would make me feel better. And it just made me cry even more. And I just like circled Times Square for hours. And then I walked back and then you got back from your college gig. And you're like, how was your weekend? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. And the thing is, is like, I think I knew you were going through something, but I wasn't sure because I was like, well, you know, when people get married, things happen, right? Like, that's normal. Because how are we to know? Because I think I was 28 or 29 at the time. Isn't that crazy that that sounds young? (laughs) It kind of is. It kind of is. Like, think about it. Like, if you have been in school um, and sort of protected by your parents and, and the village of family and close friends and family, right, until 24, then you're just out about in the world doing comedy none of that seems like it's a real mature situation right so yeah to get married how because you were engaged I 20 i got engaged at 27 i think i got married at 28 and i got divorced at 29 <laughs> yeah yeah, it was efficient. I've been having so much fun lately. I've been referring to my current my current husband as my second husband, and it feels very chic. Does it? Because you've lived. Because you've lived a life. <laughs> yes, honey. She don't try and check her. She has lived a life. Okay. But I feel like I, I. But again, I don't want to speak for you. But I feel like every time I've witnessed you breaking down, and we don't have to talk about just breakdowns that I've seen. We could also yeah. talk about breakthroughs. But from what I've seen, I feel like you always lose it. When you feel like you're not like when you didn't when you didn't have the headphones, I felt like you were so hard on yourself. And maybe it was about something else. And I'm of just in inter- course. Okay. So this is the type of person I am. I will jump on the ceiling if there's a fly on me and be like, it's gonna kill me. Right? And you have to peel me off the ceiling. But you know, if there's blood, if we've like like if we've just like you know, the car is off the bridge, like an inception. If there's this like real life shit that we have to get through, like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good about it, but like sometimes you can't be good all the time and it definitely manifests in other things. And so that's why I call it the straw that broke the camel toe. Cause it's just like, we were all having fun until. And so, yeah. So you feel like you maintain cool under like serious big shit pressure and then you'll sort of like stuff it down and then something small will happen and that's what cracks you absolutely i mean nothing sounds more caribbean and or catholic so here we are (laughs) Mm -hmm. what would you say is one of your work like do you have a particularly memorable losing your shit moment in that genre that like comes to mind I mean, if I really have to think about breakdowns, like off the top of my head, it, five years of IVF and four miscarriages, um, there have been a few breakdowns and a lot of them were like leaving the doctor's office. And, you know, especially like when you're pregnant and you work so hard to get pregnant, you've taken all the things and you paid out of pocket. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. It's all good. I'm sorry. That was a FaceTime. Thank God for editing. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it in. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was my brother-in-law from Germany, um, which is hysterical. Um, 
but um yeah i mean it was a lot to get bad news after you've worked so hard for something and then you feel like shit's out of your control i just don't remember leaving it, it's like i'm floated in, in ground at the same time like i don't remember leaving the doctor's office but i do remember getting into my car and at one point and this happened like three or four times like heist would have to pick me up off the ground in the um parking lot where we parked our car because it's just like bad news again and then so stuff like that felt crazy and then also even um even uh like trying to put in an application for adoption and then like going further and further with an application, you have to pay more money for those applications and then getting denied. Uh, you got denied for adoption. Yeah. From a couple of places because we wanted to adopt from a third world country. So that's a whole other kit and caboodle. And then um, when we were f- like deep into um, the application process, um, one of the things that came up is, are you still trying to have your own child or children? And obviously you want to be as honest as possible. And we're like, yeah. And they were like, oh, we can't go any further if you're still trying to have your own kid, which to me makes zero sense, but I don't make the rules. There are a lot of rules. People want to protect these children. I understand that, but I'm just like, you know, us, we're like the more the merrier kind of people. So that was like really hurtful too. So yeah, I think in term now, you know, when people are just like, you're so brave, you do comedy, you do, you're, you're, you're an actor, you do this. How do you deal with rejection? It's just like that rejection is fucking nothing compared to like your body rejecting you. Um, agencies rejecting you. Like, you know, you can't, when we went down the surrogacy route, like I felt like my state rejected me because it wasn't legal in New York at the time. And so like when you've been through some real ass motherfucking rejection, which would just like put me over the goddamn edge. Like when someone's like, Oh, you didn't get this role. It's like, all right, whatever the fuck. Great. Great. Like, wow. Best role of a lifetime. Fucking mom. Thanks so much. I mean, what is interesting. Cause as someone who has known you for so long, it did feel like things blew up career wise while you were going through all this because i didn't give a fuck anymore you didn't give a fuck and it is it's such a you know you go online and you see all these fucking memes and quotes that are like just don't care and everything (laughs) will come your way hashtag Mm -hmm. grateful you know and like Mm -hmm. all this stuff and it's like it's not that easy like you can't always flip a switch social media i don't like it's like i why do we have to condense everything into just this meme because even when you see a hashtag like black lives matter or stop asian hate or defund the police or anything else that we just have sort of just you know um put into these cute little chunks of just double tapping and feeling like that we've done we have actually done something just don't care comes with a crazy amount of hurt and um, you feel like your spirit is broken. um, And then you get to the other side of the mountain just to appreciate what the fuck you've been through. Yep. You cannot put that on a fucking meme, but like, look, if people want to do their dance challenges for TikTok, I'm here for it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever the fuck you want to do, just don't put that shit on me. Sorry. Yeah. It took a turn. It took no, a turn. but I agree with you. Like, I think one of the biggest, it's so hypocritical if you go online and rant about how you don't give a fuck. It's like, well, if you don't give a fuck, why are you posting it? Why are you here? If you don't give a fuck, you 
close your laptop or your phone, you know, I will be honest when I give up. I mean, it's, it's such a, I mean, our brains cannot handle, it's sad because people cannot handle more than a meme. And it is, that is a whole other conversation. And I am so afraid that my child is going to, you know, live in the cloud and her friends are going to be holograms. Um, But (laughs) talk about that later. Uh, But, you know, it is, it, it, it is, has been, you know, to talk about social media and to talk about parenting and birth and all that stuff. It is really interesting because like, you know, Mother's Day just passed and I don't know, I hope this makes sense, but like, okay, so this is my first year being a mom. And, you know, 10 years ago, I, I assume on Mother's Day, if you had a child, you know, you'd, you'd get a Mother's Day card or whatever. And then if you didn't have a child, you would, and you, and you wanted one, you would deal with that. And it was, that was the end. It was the end of the day. And then like now on Mother's Day, if you go online, there's people who say it's wrong to celebrate Mother's Day, (laughs) sensitive to people that want to be mothers. There's Mm -hmm. people who are like, I'm proud to be a mom. There's people who share their journey to be a mom. There's people who are like, I will never be a mom. And I'm like, I just... There's also um, same-sex marriages who are just like, it's parenting day, it's not Mother's Day. And um, the thing is, it's like, if we're going to really create all this space for everyone... Mm-hmm. And however they de- identify themselves, you have to let the other people that have been identifying themselves as such do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, so I'm just like, like, I mind, don't, it's so, but isn't that so crazy that it's just like, all you want to do is just say happy mother's day without being canceled. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't open, I I do not turn to the internet to open my mouth too much. I, for me, that it's not, it's going to happen through, you know, my other work, maybe yeah. this podcast, I don't, through conversations. Like yes. I like conversations yes. to me, a lot of times a long rant and I've written some long rants, but to me, that's not a conversation. That is a statement. And, uh, I'm going to mute you <laughs> if you don't agree, you know? And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, but but to not to go back to what you experienced. First of all, I had no idea you got rejected for adoption, uh, and and if you don't want to talk about the infertility thing, because I feel like you probably talked about it a lot, and if you're exhausted by it, we don't have to talk about it. But I do think it's so like you kept going with it, mm-hmm. and what? How many times did you do it before you were like, I got to stop? The IVF. Um, by the fourth miscarriage, I was like real tired. I was like, mm, I don't know who I am anymore. I'm just like a shell of a person. Like, I'm, you ever meet those people, especially comedians that study you so they can steal your personality? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> whether they're new or whether they just like don't know how to act. They're just like, oh, this is your cool. Uh, you know, they're like, that's kind of what I was doing to myself. I was like, this is who I am, right? This is who I am, right? Well, your body becomes a science project at that point. Pretty much. And um, even though you look the same, you do not feel the same. And even looking at pictures of myself now, like in things that I've filmed, I'm like, ooh, that chin. That is an IVF chin. Ooh, look at that stomach. 
She was harvesting eggs, honey. What's an IBF chin? It's sort of like a rosé chin. It's like also like a hot girl summer chin. It's like <laughs> picture, <laughs> picture this: Sicily, two thousand six. Yeah, butter. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? It's just it's bloat. It's a it's a very crazy bloat. And so, um, uh, that's when I was like, I have to stop doing this. And then Kais was like, Yes, you do. And then my parents were like, Thank God, we. Because, you know, they know me and that I'm determined and I'm like always okay and I'm always fine. And they were just going to like let me go until I decided to stop, which is like what you need to do because I don't like to live in the coulda, shoulda, woulda. I want to keep going and then decide for myself, this ain't it. And um, so then we went down the whole other journey of surrogacy, which like, look, again, like I am not burnt out talking about this because I feel like much like what you said, conversations are important. Their um, truth um, is healing. Um, you know, whatever walk of life you're from, if you want this and you don't know how to go about it for whatever reason, it's just good to hear stories of mm-hmm. people who have done it to know that you can do it or to hear a story about it and be like, oh, that ain't for me, whatever. Um, just to feel less the fuck alone because I was like, how do I have all these friends? I know a lot of people, like even my peripheral circle of friends is like dope. And now I'm on stage every night talking to people that are like, cool. Like the audience, the audiences at one point, I'm just like, I would fuck with all you guys. I would hang out with you guys. Mm -hmm. Still felt very alone. Still had no one to talk to. How does that even happen? Me. So I was like, oh, but there's other people for sure that are less outgoing going through this and that must be painful. So I um, probably will get tired of talking about it at, at one point, but also that's just like, I feel like it happened for a reason and it's my job to help heal people. And that's mm-hmm. why I got into comedy as well. And I didn't even know that's why I got into comedy to like maybe 10 years in. Did so what was it about I want I want to make sure I phrase this the way that I cuz there are some people who I assume their attitude about having kids their own kids. Yeah. Was like all right I'm going to try and if it doesn't work keep it moving, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. is some people's attitude. They're like if it works cool, if it doesn't work cool. And then there's people such as yourself that were mm-hmm. so determined. And so I know you just explained, like you keep trying until whatever, but was having kids, like, has it been something you wanted for as long as you can remember? Yeah. Like people would ask me what I want to be when I grew up and I'd be like, a mom. Like, and then at one point my mom's like, I'm in college. And my mom's like, well, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I'm like, a mom. She's like, I'm married. I'm like, I don't know about that. We'll see. That feels crazy. But I always had this maternal situation happening in my bones. You know, even when I was little, I got a Cabbage Patch doll for my sixth birthday. But she needed a sibling. And that sibling needed a sibling. Mm. And But wait a minute. There's an Indian one and a Chinese one and a black one. I need two of everything. I was like Angelina Jolie, Josephine Baker, Mia Farrow. I was, I was that bitch. <laughs> like the, the club that I started uh, when I was eight was a Cabbage Patch doll pound puppy club every Saturday morning in my basement. I'm like, <laughs> bring those stories of what you did with your Cabbage Patch doll, your pound puppy. And I would make everyone like cupcakes or a banana bread. or So I've been like 
hosting and gathering for a motherfucking while. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just who I am. I cannot help it. I mean, I love it. And I think it's what a lot of people who know you personally love about you. I mean, you host a great meatball party. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you are so Italian. I love it. (laughs) If you guys, if you've never hung out with Juliet, you should at one point, but also if you have any Italian friends, you got to say those, you got to say that grace quick. You got to let them know when to eat because Italian people will just start eating. I know. Everybody you can, else you can share like, what you're referring to. Share. <laughs> but there's so, many, there's so many situations. This is more than one. Everybody else will wait for everyone else to eat. But your Italian friend will just be like, but there's a plate in this food. All right. I, I'm going to go. No one else is going. Um, meatball well, party. Diff- wait, go ahead. Meatball party is a different situation because, you know, it's, it's a party that my husband and I do where like 40 of our friends will make little tiny meatballs and we'll have like a blind taste test. And so we've basically spent like an hour and a half warming up all the balls, making sure everyone's here, slicing the bread, cooling the rosé, standing around the table, getting ready to taste test, marking them up with numbers. But here goes Julia making a plate and eating. And, and I want to say like 50 people just started yelling at you at the same time. <laughs> And like, I didn't know the rules. I think it was my first time coming because I couldn't make the other ones. Also, I was devastated because when I heard Meatball Party, I'm like, oh, well, I have this in the back. Like, I am a thousand percent Italian. I'm going to make good old beef, you know, with Parmesan, my secret ingredient, red wine, which I guess is not that big of a secret. And <laughs> and I show up and it's like, you know, duck balls and, and all these other meats. Shrimp and I thigh like, balls. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yeah. that I thought it was going to be like one of my family parties. And as far as the eating, so I've learned to stop. I've now become the person that waits for everyone to eat. <laughs> Yay! I, if I'm cooking, I will eat while I'm cooking because I need to know if it tastes good. But I grew up in a house. So it's funny because I feel like some Italians – they grow up where like, you know, you sit, you say grace. There's pro- like, that was not my family. My family was for some reason ravenous yeah. all the time, even yeah. though we all would do is eat. And the TV was almost always on mm. while we ate. Mm-hmm. Uh, either it would be like the news and then it would flow into entertainment tonight. Right. And Come then on, it would heart. give it. Yep. And then it would. And John Tesh. <laughs> yeah. John well, Tesh. Like, give it to me. He's MAGA now. Right. I mean, he looks like it. <laughs> he looks like it. I don't know. He went from entertainment reporter to like piano player to Kid Rock, but uh, <laughs> and and we would have the TV on, and we would just like, I mean, I don't think we chew. I definitely choke, choked a few times at the mm. kitchen table because I was like, I guess we're in a contest, but um, I'm I'm sorry. No, that's public okay. You know, manners, it was such a huge thing with my dad. And it was just me. So my, dad, zero. my dad would send me to my bed without dinner if I couldn't cut my meat properly. And he was like, take one bite at a time. Sometimes he was like, hit my hand away from the foot. Yeah. And so my mom really was not a fan of it. And we still talk about it to this day. But um, not a fan of your dad doing that. Yeah. Being so hard on me. But you know, everybody is so different. Like you say, just even within Italy alone, it's so different. But all my Italian American friends, especially first generation, um, will say, Oh, yeah, that's not how it worked in my house. Like first come first serve as if it's 
like a Black Friday sale at Walmart. Like you gotta yep. get what you get. And um yeah. but but and then my husband eats like that too. And I'm like, is it because there was not enough food and there was siblings? And he's like, that was always enough food. <laughs> Maybe it's okay. a European thing because your husband's European. I mean, I don't know. My parents and like I remember watching, you know, sitcoms and movies and when like these like white, white people would be like, may I be excused to go to the bathroom? I was like, what? Like I yeah. was like farting yeah. at the table. I was like, I'm going to go take a shit. And like my mom be like, you're so gross. You know? And it was like a big yeah. joke. Yeah. But can I be excused? <laughs> I, remember I don't I get that either. You know what always gets me too is just like when people are like, can I talk to you in the kitchen for a minute? It's like, that's so obvious. Like just say yeah. it. Just say what you got no. to say. Yeah, I, I've definitely I've worked on it. I've worked on my manners, but I will say my family is my immediate family. We're they're very rude. Like I like I didn't learn about manners until I feel like I was in college and Ooh. I started to like be around other people and they would say like I don't know, please. I mean, I guess we said thank you, but we didn't. Hilarious. I didn't know about manners as far as like keep your voice down <laughs> and right. like. Don't talk shit about people when they're in the room. And uh, wow. yeah, it's like they're pretty hardcore, but they're honest. I mean, my family is yeah, nothing if not honest. Yeah, what you see is what you get. <laughs> and that's also great, too. Are you now? So do, do you um, – so I know you're an only child. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm my daughter's going to be an only child because I'm so tired. Uh, I know. <laughs> I had, we had some – you know, we had fantasies of like, maybe we'll try for another and maybe we'll adopt. And I'm like, nope. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, never say mm-hmm. never, but I'm very sleepy. You can. Uh, you can. Uh, do, so do you think being an only child was part of this part of you that wanted to host and have a lot of people around? Or I don't know, because I do feel like I will say this about only children. I feel like now currently to be an only child is very common yeah like a lot of people i know who had babies in the last few years are having one yeah right one or twins but they are really are just trying to like have that one time yeah Yeah. but like because a lot of people i know are also doing it later in life Mm -hmm. and and just different circumstances whereas i feel like when i was a kid if you were an only child it was like oh yeah. They're an only child. That's so sad. Like in yeah. the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, like if your parents were divorced, it's just like, oh, what kind of drug are you gonna do? Because that's like every episode of intervention. My parents get divorced. Meanwhile, it's just like divorce is also very healthy. Um oh, yeah. so no, I don't I think I am who I am no matter what. Even if I have yeah. siblings, I'd still be the hosting bitch. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's very funny, too, because a lot of only children are like me. They're like, come on, come on. Or they're just like Grey Gardens, but solo. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very inclusive party-wise, and I'm not an only child. But I think that – I mean, maybe, it, again, I, I have a tendency to overanalyze and be like, where does that come from? You know, that's like my psychology brain. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, maybe it's just a personality thing. Yeah. Uh, I just don't, I just feel bad if people feel left out Mm. and I've had to learn as I get older that it is okay Yeah, because I cannot have 300 people at my house every time I have a party. Yeah, I remember when, maybe it was your 40th, I don't remember what birthday party it was, but you're like, I'm just going to cook chicken cutlets for 
like like a crazy amount of friends, almost like a Thanksgiving dinner amount of friends. Yeah. And I just want to be like, no, girl, have that shit catered and sit the fuck down and be the queen that you is. But I love to. That's also like expression too. Like you know what I mean. I'm like, uh, let's yeah. But I mean, it was. I call it the pasta incident. Uh, what happened was uh-oh. I wanted. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but birthdays for me. And I'm getting better about it, but I just think birthdays are emotional for most people. Yeah. It it's a lot I of, didn't realize it was important to you until I missed your birthday one time and you were like, Why didn't you come? And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't realize because I was on the Upper West Side and you had um a dance party on the Lower East Side. And I was like, That's a long distance relationship. That's far. And you were like, Why aren't you coming? I was like, ah, and then I realized birthdays are important. I was like, I got it. It's not birthdays are important. Birthdays aren't that important to me. I think what is important to me is acknowledgement of the invite received mm-hmm. and then telling me you can't make it. Like I I not you specifically in general. Like I I think what I my biggest social issue that I struggle with yeah. is like feeling forgotten or like I didn't get the same courtesy that I give you. And I know that's a lot to expect mm-hmm. of people because people go through different things. And yeah. sometimes someone, and I've learned that as I've gotten older and I've gotten yeah. better about it, like, especially now that I'm busier, I have more empathy for people that like, well, they're not getting back to you because they are dealing with like a kid and a job and whatever. And, you know, I, I'm better about it, but I struggle in relationships, I don't do well with inconsistency. Mm. So if I have somebody in my life who is like really there for me for like a month yeah, and then they disappear, yeah, it just makes me go crazy and be like, did I do something wrong? Right. But right. that's also just life. Yeah. What if somebody's consistently inconsistent? Then I guess I accept that that's the way they are. I don't right. know. I have to be honest with you though. Like, it's almost weird to even share this because I don't, my brain, like you were talking about like what um, became important to you, like how the rejection started to feel the career rejection didn't hurt anymore because of the whole kid thing. I do feel like this past year having only focusing on being a parent because of the pandemic mm-hmm. has put so much in perspective for me of like what's important. I don't need as much as I used to need. I kind of don't give a fuck about a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything that doesn't feel good anymore. I just, I just think less. Like I'm not reading into everything the way I used to. Yeah. I hope a lot of people, whether they're parenting or not, will parent themselves in that way because it's been a really crazy emotional year. And so going through quarantine, whether you have, responsibilities whether your responsibility for somebody else responsible for someone else just yourself is still fucking crazy i don't think we give ourselves enough credit for getting the fuck through because um their burnout is real and much like going through ivf for five years and like packing needles and making sure my progesterone was chilled in the middle of a meeting somewhere in hollywood and like having a note for TSA why I have like 30 needles and just asking like a complete strange comedian to do my trigger shot in my arm right before I get on stage and all these things. I was like, I look the same, (laughs) but I don't feel the same. And that's what's happening for everyone in the world. 
we look the same, but we don't feel the same and we can't put our Mm. finger on it. And it's like, well, we went fucking through it and now we're starting to come up for air and we should definitely be easy on ourselves. And so I don't give a fuck about a lot of stuff too. Um, But what I really give a fuck about now is, I mean, obviously my crew, right? My family, but, um, it was really hard going through the pandemic already, but then to go through the pandemic with all these, um, with the Trump administration was fucking crazy. So it really, like talk about making a fucking edit on your life. Anybody who met me with all lives matter, blue lives matter. He's not that dangerous. He's not that serious. Why do we have to call them? They, them, um, anyone that said anything remotely. And I used to be like, well, let's talk about it. Like education through love. But now it's just like, no, you're making my right eye twitch. I feel like I'm losing my eyelashes. Is that a thing? (laughs) I, I (laughs) can't talk to you anymore. And so for someone who was so, you know, gregarious, I'm just like, goodbye. (laughs) But that's the parenting yourself aspect. Yes. That we're talking about. Like, you know, something that has become, and and this started to become very clear to me before I even had a child. And I think, like I became, okay, so your parents, most people's parents did their best. Even if their best was terrible. Yeah. Most people's parents did their best. Yes. And something that, has been really wonderful for me personally is in the last, you know, I'd say, I mean, increasingly over my whole life, but really in the last five years, and maybe it's because, you know, I moved even further away and I've developed boundaries with my parents. I've really started to see them as humans Mm -hmm. and that they're, you know, they're humans with feelings and they did their best and all that stuff. And I've gotten, I used to be mad about the stuff that I had to reparent myself about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I used to be mad. I used to be like, why couldn't you guys teach me X, Y, and Z? And why yeah. do I have to go fucking heal and like all this stuff? <laughs> and then and then I don't know. I just kind of like shut up and started doing the work. And part of reparenting is making choices like that. And like there's so much focus on parenting your kids, but if you have kids or even if you have a partner, or even just the world in general, the best way that you can be an example as a parent is to parent yourself correctly, if that makes sense. Like, taking care of yourself is the best influence you can have on other people, your children included. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. I mean, what did my therapist tell me the other day? Something like, um, how are you supposed to feed people from your tank if it's empty? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you better stop it. So <laughs> that's yeah. the oxygen mask notion. Yeah. Like you got to put on your oxygen mask before you put on someone else. Yes. And it's like, what is that oxygen mask for you? And for me right now, it's like, it's, it's a whole ass timeout. It is a long shower uninterrupted. It is a motherfucking mm-hmm. pedicure. It is a hot meal for me. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's been, you know, it's so interesting with, for me, like with writing specifically, like writing scripts or or book or whatever essays, uh, it used to be something that I 
it's obviously still a job and it's obviously still something that I'm still very ambitious with. I want to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not an idiot. But a few years ago, it was so much pressure to like succeed by a certain age and have X, Y, and Z. And and it's been really interesting because ever since I've had a child and the pandemic and all the things we just mentioned, writing for me has become like, oh, I need this for my soul. Mm-hmm. And I need to take time to go do this. And I'm so grateful to be back to that relationship with art. Yeah. Because I know it's still a business, but I'm not good at business. I don't like business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the truth. I don't like, I want other people to handle the business. Yeah. But I like part of me parenting myself is being like, all right, I need three hours Tuesday to go. Three hours. You're a fucking diva. What in the Chris Jenner is going on? Three hours? Three hours to write? Of course. Oh, gosh, I wish. I'm going to try three hours tomorrow. No, but that's not true, though, Michelle, because those three hours, so I'm using them to write, but you're probably using them to, like, go beyond Fallon or, I mean, how, okay, so. Fallon said no to me, but okay. What? I'm just joking. Kind of. You were just on it. I was on Seth. Why are you just not Fallon? Conan. Oh, Conan. Do you want me to cut this out? I don't give a shit. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Fallon knows he said no to me. That's okay. I, <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> whatever you're doing. What? So let me ask you this, because I'm sure people, you know, like we're talking about like how people, how we're viewed and internet. So you are the most busy you've ever been? Yes. And you have two babies. Yeah. This is what I learned about life, right? Like it, yeah. there's always going to be good and there's always going to be bad. And sometimes you have to find the good and the bad. And sometimes with the good comes bad. Do you know what I mean? Like it, fruition is a motherfucker. If you're just like, I can't wait one day to do this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. It's never going to come in the package that you think, but that's okay. That's what the fuck life is. And you have to adjust. You can be on a fucking all expenses paid vacation and still be like, oh, I didn't like this part. And so this is just what it is. Like, call it whatever you want, a balance, a struggle, a juggle, a journey, whatever the fuck it is. This is what life is. Do you know what I mean? Um, You could try and free up your time to do whatever you want. You could just like jump in and motherfucking do it. I mean, I I love it. I, I love it. I thrive in chaos. I'm fucking here for it. I need, I do need whole ass minutes though, because I will have a breakdown over some dumb shit, like not finding my headphones, mm-hmm. but then she dips and does it and she gets back to it and she'll pick the kids up from daycare. And now she's talking about herself in a third person. It is what the <laughs> fuck it is. Do you know what I mean? But, um, but I love it, but I really, really love it. I mean, I did not think that I would like making two breakfasts and two lunches before 7am, but you know what? fucking good at it fucking good at it i mean i'm so much better in the mornings oh by 9 30 like i have this run coming up at the bell house in june i don't know when this podcast is gonna drop called bish got a babysitter just because i've been <laughs> it's all premises we'll see what happens i should mm-hmm. call the show premise um or whatever the fuck but <laughs> <laughs> a 7 30 p.m show and then a 10 p.m show like what the fuck was i thinking wow. I'm yawning by 9 p.m., but like what you were saying about writing and, and and how other people are feeling about what with whatever they used to do before the pandemic, 
um, just like remind yourself of who you used to be and then love on that bitch. And so I love being in front of people and sharing the stage and seeing how the fuck people are doing. So we'll see how it goes. Cause we're all different. Well, in the package thing you just said, I feel like that is, you know, it, life coming in whatever package you don't really know. That's how I also, I feel like that is such a, uh, the relationship advice I've always given to people too. Like I didn't think that my partner would come. I didn't know what package they were going to come in. None I didn't know my did. life was going to come in, you know, <laughs> none of us did, but we knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you were saying yes to the universe. I mean, it's so, it is easier. Something that I have always admired about you. And I wish that you could slice a little piece off. This just sounded creepy. I was like, and I could eat it. I don't really, I don't want to eat you, Michelle. Uh, I'm going to do this podcast to let you know I'm a cannibal. Um, I, wow, this took a turn. You think I don't wait to eat at dinner? Um, I've lost it. I, I, I have with manifestation and, and not giving a shit and, and believing in yourself and letting it all happen and all that stuff. And I, and I hope I'm getting better at this, but I have, I've never had a problem doing that with, I almost feel like I'm the opposite kind of what you went through with IVF, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I sort of just trusted relationship stuff would work out. And maybe it's because I went through some shit with it. That's probably what it is. But like, I was pretty much like, and maybe it's because I wasn't someone who grew up wanting, knowing I wanted kids, but I was pretty much like, well, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, I'll be okay. Like, so that happened. I've been, I'm really like, whatever happens with like a home. And then I find the perfect apartment. Like I, I have done that pretty nicely in my personal life Mm -hmm. in career. And I'm getting better at it. It's like, I'll be in that mood and I'll see the result and it works. Like the second I don't give a fuck, like the phone rings, but then it like comes to a screeching halt Mm -hmm. and I'm in my head about it. And I don't know why with career, I can't be as, again, maybe I'll be different after this, the world opens up, but I don't know why career is the one that like, it's not even career. It's like money. Oh, okay. Actually, that's not true because money does flow. Cause I, no, it's career. It's career. Okay. Well, I mean, based on all the things that we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes or so, I think the thread and the through line from um, having a friend that's consistent from not having your parents tell you some shit and you have to find it your own way, find your own way. I think that the career bubble is probably the the bubble where it's just like, fuck, it's not consistent and fuck, I still have to find my own way, but still need to mm. myself. And so that's the thing, the one thing that you probably haven't cracked yet by your definition, because, uh, you know, other people look at you and say, Oh my God, I want that. You know what I mean? And then you look at the blah, 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 whatever the fuck that is. So, I mean, yeah, but so the silence for me, it's for me, it never feels like it's silent because when it's silent and I was like, I just feel like, Oh, now I have time to go work on this. Oh, okay. You call, I'll show up. Oh, now I have time to go work on this. So that's, that's how that goes for me. I don't know if that would, a tool or like something, or way of thinking about it that that would work for you. 
but um, you're never going to figure that beast out. She's yeah. always going to be complicated as fuck. Truly. You're, it's inconsistent. It's, That's what it is. Inconsistent. And it is um, a slot machine. It's, yep. it's, it's like, you know, it's like the highs are high and the lows are like, what the fuck is wrong with me? So as long as you know that, the, it consistently consistent. Yeah. You can't leave one I home. I didn't know you were coming on to give <laughs> me. psychoanalyze you? No. I love it. I I mean, it's great. I, I'm taking a break from therapy. And, you know, this is just a pod. I'm probably going to have my sister, Elena. I usually have her, like, not every episode, but sometimes she'll listen to the episode and then give her, like, insight at oh. the end. Which I think I'm going to have her do with this one. Okay. Um, Which has been real fun. But uh, <laughs> it's... uh. Yeah, I mean, when you accept, I mean, I I sometimes, and I'm curious if this ever happens to you, but like sometimes I'll sit back and when I, like being content mm-hmm. is like real uncomfortable for me. And I do feel like that is a tiny, it, it's a, it's a, univ- it's a, you know, it's a capitalistic problem, right? Capitalism, capitalistic, capitalism sure. problem yes. of like, here I can just be like, look at me. I like my life. I've achieved a lot of things I'm proud of. I love my family. I love where I live. I love the work I'm doing. I, I'm I'm good. That feels good. Like like when I'm in like kundalini yoga and I'm meditating and I'm like, oh, like, wait, like you fucking look at this life you've created. But then the second, because you know you can always achieve more, make more money, get more things. So really to me is such a complex, contradictory world we live in where I feel like we're constantly told like self-care, take time for yourself, relax. But then like the very next message you get is like, be a fucking boss, bitch. Yes. Like, you know. Again, those are like those ideas that people have sort of. Yeah, the memes. Shortened it to sort of, and I always say advice in a magnet. But also make it make sense. So I don't, I like, I hear it, but I don't listen to it because for me, and I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, being happy and whole and feeling at peace is not, um, is not easy. That's the thing that I have to work on just like exercising or just like cleaning the kit, whatever the thing that I always have to do, like it's, it's a lot of work. So I have to constantly remind myself, but you know, I don't ever, and again, I'm just speaking for me. I never look at it like money or fame or things for me. It's just like, I have power. I have a message. I am talented. Get the fuck out of my way and let me do my fucking thing. So it's just like, and I, much like you, the business part, I'm just like, what are numbers? Like if I'm yep. going to host a game show, you need to have somebody in my ear. Cause Steve Harvey is so good. He's just like, we need a hundred points. You have 63 points so far. That means you need however that much is. And I'm just like, how did he do that? So numbers <laughs> are like, I just feel like you need to get to a hundred. Like I've just like figured out how to like work my way around being so um, not good with um, numbers. But um, yeah, I mean, I will always be taken care of as long as uh, I am a good person and and I'm taking care of myself. So, yeah, I I, 
when people talk about like, like fancy cars and trips and, or like nail art, whatever the fuck it is. I'm just like, I do love nail art. I know. I was like, as soon as I said nail art, like, I feel like half of your listeners are just like, bye, bitch. No. no. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, well, the things that other people find important, I necessarily, I, I just, I don't, you know, but also other people are not out here. Like we just adopted two puppies. We have three dogs now and two kids and we're going to have a meatball party. People will be like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, let's talk about what's right with me. So like everyone's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I agree with like the, it, yeah, first of all, the numbers thing. So I actually love doing math. I just hate being a product. That's what I think has always been so hard about. And I hate, I really hate being like, me, my job is so hard. It's like, oh, really? You get paid to have like fun and whatnot. But being famous, the, the funny thing about fame and why I always get so uncomfortable when that is even like associated with what I do mm-hmm. is I'm like, but becoming famous is pretty easy and meaningless at this point. I mean, you know what I mean? You become famous for like your pants falling outside and the video goes viral. And then you're on a fucking late night show talking about your experience. And now you have a rap song and a TikTok date. You know, like that part is like, I don't want to be famous. I want to, like you said, share what is in my heart and my brain Mm -hmm. because with just a larger audience and I, whenever I get like an email or a message, I mean, I'm like, can you post it? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But when I get an email or a message, it's like, you know, this article you wrote, like I just found it. Thank you. Or like I, this joke that you do. Thank you. Like that is the thing that makes me want to. Yeah. Keeps me going. Yeah. So I think we should give breath to that and not even mention fame. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like, what's the point? It's, it's like, it's like retweeting Trump. Like, why are we giving breath to it? People know that it's out there and it's evil. Don't even get me started on why people retweet garbage. We'll not get you started. We're not not here to get you started. (laughs) It is the stupidest. It's so dumb. Anyone listening, when you reshare a tweet, a video <laughs> and anything, an article, and say, she means it. Can you believe? Can you believe this guy wrote this sexist article? I'm like, I can't believe it because I would have never seen it had you not shared yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing, right? Like, for me, talking about the negative shit that I don't understand or even want to be a part of feels like I'm the dumb bitch in the horror movie. It's just like, what's that noise upstairs? I can't believe I'm by myself. And I heard a knocking in the fucking attic where Aunt Zelda died. And then you go up there. It's just like, so leave it alone. You know yeah. what I mean? I hate to- yeah. I don't really want the person in the rocking, the, the rocking chair rocking on its own. I don't want somebody <laughs> to turn around and be like, I'm here. No, I don't want that at all. Thank you so much. I mean, like, yeah. I want a ghost who's going to be like, let me help you clean the kitchen. <laughs> be well, I want to talk about, I mean, I know you can't, a person can't just talk about positive stuff, obviously, but I feel like there is so much out there that is negative. Yeah. That if I can sneak in, not necessarily positivity, because I think when people think positivity, they think like, I don't give a fuck. Just believe in yourself. I just mean like, I don't know. Let's talk about, dating let's talk about 
Yeah. I, I mean, positivity like, for me, it's, it comes in so many different, I mean, like Viola Davis is back. I, I could look at it all day. It's just like, it's beautiful. Her back is beautiful. It's muscular. Her skin tone. It's <laughs> what the fuck, you know, I, I look at my daughter's curls. I'm just like, Oof, that, that pattern is just. Don't even get me started on daughter's curls. Look. Don't even get me started. I'm just <laughs> what if that was my new? Do you know what I mean? I mean, this podcast is called Don't Get Me Started. And all we do is get started. Um, but yeah, I mean, this morning she woke up and she did it. She said a new sentence. She said, I want apple juice. But she said, apple juice. And I was oh. like, oh my God. And I thought she said shoes. And it's like, so, like there's so many things, so many things to be wonderfully like just thankful for it's like why would i even fucking like look do i love to be petty and complain yes that last 2.2 seconds like even driving in the car and getting road rage i'm like that felt good anyway yeah and then you like sing to ario speedwagon or whatever the fuck the radio is still playing it's like can we just update like all the songs we play on the radio but um that's the thing too right talk about people who are consistent the people who are always debbie downers i don't really fuck with them anymore because now i'm in my 40s and i'm like you can't age me this can't be why i start looking old is because of your neuroses or is it neurosi yeah i think neuroses okay i forget who said this and i feel bad that i'm not i don't know if i heard it on a tv show or somebody said it on this podcast or in real life so i hopefully i'll remember but somebody said recently, or I heard recently, someone describe being around kids and how what's so wonderful is that they make you, oh, it was Jesus and Miro. That's what it was. I'm like, fuck, was it someone I was talking to? My brain, everything's a blur. Uh, I've been smoking more weed this past year. Um, I, uh, outside of the house, I'm not a crazy person. So I said that to someone and they're like, outside, right? I'm like, no, in my daughter's crib. Um, oh my God, edibles are the best. Yes. But uh, on Jesus and Miro, they were talking about how, like, when you have a child or when you're around a child, you don't necessarily have one. And to watch them uh, with such, they have such, like, you get to appreciate things new. Like, so, you know, they're like, oh, how does a light work? How does, how do fingers work? Like, my daughter yesterday was playing with my toes and Mm -hmm. she was like, wait a second. What the? fuck like she was just like wiggling them and like i'll like move my fingers in her face and she's like whoa you have fingers too know. you know like you can see it in their face and they like my my kids think i'm so smart because i can like put together two and two i can fly a kite they're like what can't she do but i really hope that they're smarter than me because they better be good at math i'm really banking on it and they have to be able to like let the spider outside because god knows the spider will like i'll fold like a fitted sheet Oh my god! Remember that huge spider? The last time you stayed at my house, there was a huge, massive spider. Even your husband the- was like, "Oh, oh lord, should we call someone?" I'm like, "You." And I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> Mrs. Roper. Um, every time that's I, my dog. Yeah, every time I walk around the house, she's like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "We did this already. I've been here." But that spider, yeah. it almost looked like a spider mosquito mashup. Where I'm just like. This is a very, this is a very, like, this Daddy Long Lane got a sturdy gate. It had headphones on it. It was going, remix. I know. It was too much. The spider was, like, following me on my podcast. (laughs) Ready to review. Speaking of, uh, 
if you like the podcast, please rate and review, please. Um, I mean, I feel very good about this conversation. If we want to, you know, you have you. I wish people could see you right now. Your makeup looks great. You're wearing this cream colored. Is this a top or a jumpsuit? Dress. <gasps> yes, and but you're also laying in your bed like very majestic. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Um, I for, you know, I, I end every podcast asking my guests the same question. I forgot to do this on the last podcast, which shows you where my head is at. But um, most important question, mm-hmm. should I get bangs? No. Okay. It's too much responsibility and you already have a kid with curly hair. Yeah. But you got that curl. Well, no, my hair kind of got straight since I had a kid. Oh, good for you. Then maybe is you that- should get bangs. I still have a cow lick, but I could try. Don't get, Do you have your bangs? Still? Don't get bangs. Don't get bangs. Yes, and they they never have fully grown back. They look so good, though. The cur- you really pull off the curly bangs. It's a lot of work. Great. But maybe I only see you when you've gotten your hair done. I don't think so. I really think I'd try to work those bangs. They look great. Thank you so much. You look good with and without. I don't have a choice. I have to make it work. Michelle, I love you so much. Thank you for doing the podcast. Is there anything that you want to share with the people? Um, Hey, people, if you've never heard of me, hi, nice to meet you. I wrote a book called Survival of the Thickest. It's plus-size essays in a small-minded world. You could buy it wherever the fuck you get books. My mother-in-law loves it. I loved it, but I just want to say my mother-in-law has quoted it quite a few times. Shout out, Jerry. That's amazing. I love it. She's a demo. She's a demo. What? She's the demo. Is she? No. Oh. She's just cool. <laughs> I actually think she is. My mother-in-law is a in her 60s black woman. I gotta say, the last few times I toured, which was a year and a half ago, sure. that was the demo that seemed to like me the most. You got a vibe. Maybe they were just the most verbal. You got a vibe. You got a vibe. Make it work. Make it happen. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Joining me on the show again is a therapist who is also my sister, Elena. Thanks for coming back on. Hi. How are you? I'm good, Elena. How are you? <laughs> good. <laughs> Very formal. I, I always say thanks for having me. So it's just kind of shaking it up a little bit today. it up it's funny to be formal with somebody that used to take baths with i know right so you listened to the chat with michelle um i feel like we we talked about so many different things and uh i don't know if you had any thoughts about anything that kind of stuck out oh my gosh love her like so many things um but i guess to kind of cover something a little bit different the thing that maybe stuck out with me was the whole parenting yourself Mm -hmm. really liked that. Um, Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking of this not so long ago, you know, we go around, we ask people, how are you? I mean, really, how often do we ask ourselves, how am I actually doing today? You know, like imagine if we did that more regularly, you might actually notice, oh, wow, I'm tired. I haven't been sleeping well. Or, you know, I I haven't eaten yet today. Or, you know, like just basic things. Like we don't check in with ourselves. And imagine if we did that, how much of a difference it could make. I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to parent ourselves when you think about it. Do you think that people avoid it because maybe they don't want to know the answer? 
Probably for sure, you know, because then you have to actually face it and deal with it. Um, yeah. You know, but how it, are you to, uh, how are you to someone else? I mean, as we all know, sometimes you mean it. Right, right. Like, like I remember that one goes at like Trader Joe's and the cashier. I was just having one of those days. And when Michelle was talking about those breakdowns, oh my gosh, have I had those? I'm like, thank goodness. One of my, actually, wait, I will share the time my client did see me hit once having one. So we'll get back to that at the end. But yes, I once, I was like at Target. It was just one of those days where I was just like, all right, all these things are not in my control. And like the one thing I thought I could control, like a stupid list I'd left at home. I was like maniacally looking through my purse and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find the list. I don't know what I'm here for. Like, so I really relate to that. I'm sure we all could, but. Um, Wait, did someone ask you how you were doing? No, no, no. But like, I, I think looking back, I wouldn't have hit that breaking point if I had been checking in with myself. I think I just had a meltdown. Like if I had yeah. looking back, if I had like maybe checked in with myself a few days prior, I'm like, all right, I'm sleep deprived. I'm stressed. Like, let's slow it down a bit. You know, maybe that could, you know, so I think that's kind of what, um, what it could help with. Well, it's also interesting too, because, and, and not to, you know, I think the concept of parenting yourself, reparenting yourself, it's something that I was only recently introduced to, I think like a few years ago. And I always sort of resisted it because I always have such a fear, I guess is the right word of like, I never want to like disrespect my parents or Mm. be like, oh, they didn't do a good enough job. So now I have to parent myself. And it's like, I think if, if, um, if we can all understand that parenting yourself or reparenting yourself, isn't necessarily you saying like your parents did a bad job. No, not it's at just all. parents can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that I think was lacking from our parents is our parents didn't really ask us how we're doing. And, and, mm-hmm. and I don't say that to criticize, but I think because uh, I mean, maybe part of it was a language thing, but I think, you know, especially for our dad, if he didn't know how to fix, he was afraid the answer might be not doing well. And yeah. then if they didn't know how to fix it, mm-hmm. you'd have to face it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. Um, speaking of our parents, I know in the episode you talk, <laughs> I was laughing when you, I think you talked about like growing up with bad manners or poor manners. Oh it's yeah. Real, so as a therapist, so you're bad. Not- you're not supposed to interrupt your client when they're talking. So when I was first starting out, I was like, this is really challenging to just sit and be patient and wait and not interrupt because we were not taught that. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea how much I interrupted people when they spoke. Like the whole idea of being a therapist is to listen and be an active listener. like, this was really hard to undo. Um, Oh, I mean, I on on the podcast I used to host with my husband, I remember getting a couple of feedback notes, you know, people would send really nice letters like, oh, I really like the show. And I think there was like two or three, maybe it was only two, might have only been one, who cares, uh, that noted that I sometimes interrupt. And I got so defensive and hurt because... I know how much I hate it and I know that I do it mm-hmm. and I've been really challenging myself. Part of why I really like doing the podcast, it's been a nice practice 
in not interrupting. But I really understand because like I remember confronting our mom about it. And she was like, I just to get so excited, like really owned it. And I'm like, I know that feeling. Like I just get so excited about what I'm going to say. Right. You're not being rude. You're just like enthusiastic. Yeah. It is rude because if you're so excited of what you're going to say. Right. It's like, I'm more important than you. What I have to say that that's the message that's coming across. And I felt bad when I was saying that we weren't raised with manners because like being rude it's like, it's not coming from like, like interrupting someone in our house wasn't coming from a bad place or like not saying, excuse me, or not saying, how are you? Like, it's not like they were coming from malicious places. I think we just sort of grew up in an environment that was, I don't really know what the English phrase for it, but like Italian phrase is a la man, like just sort Played of like, back. yeah, just kind of give a hand. That's what it's formal. Yeah. Not formal. We're not yeah. formal at all. And to be honest, I don't know that I would have it any other. I think there's a balance because mm-hmm. I've met people who are like formal, formal. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why it's really ironic that I, I'm in this profession where that is my job to actively listen and not like just listen. Like, I'm like, wow, like, yeah. But, but I guess to, to the parenting thing, like the other example I was going to give is like, think about it. You go to like Trader Joe's and someone's like, how are you? And you're like, fine, good. Like, but what if you were to really be like, well, actually, now that you're like, you know, but so what I actually been doing, no joke, is when, when I'm asked that, I mean, of course, I'm not like, well, since you asked, I had like, you know, you're just like, yeah, right. But then I actually ask myself, I use it almost like a prompt, like, let me mm. use this as an opportunity to say, how am I actually doing? Like, what would have I answered to uh, Tim at Trader Joe's this morning when he asked <laughs> me, you know? Well, I, um, I do feel like during the pandemic, people got more honest about how they were doing. I, I found that... You know, I had some nice text exchanges with people. We would check in on each other. And I. it was kind of nice to even answer friends more honestly. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like we would be like, you know, today's kind of a, a tough day. And, and not judging it, just being like, this is hard. It's hard to be stuck at home or it's hard to X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't know if I've shared this on the show before, and I apologize to my listeners because everything's a blur always in my mind. But uh, no, maybe I did share this. Well, I keep thinking about the post office woman when I went to the post office in your hometown and I asked the woman at the post office, how are you? Because she asked me and she said, not good. It's my birthday. And usually my son takes me to to the Mexican restaurant to get a margarita ever since my husband left me. Or like it was something like that. And it was so... I mean, I think about her all the time. It was such a beautiful, vulnerable moment to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. And when I see her, I actually think of her. And I'm like, I'm almost like, hey, how are you actually doing these days? Like, where are you now? Um, Wait, so question for you about parenting yourself, right? So what would you say to people who, because another thing that Michelle and I talked about is is she and I are both new mothers. mm. And, you know, I think it's important that if if someone chooses to become a parent, that that just because you are a parent, it doesn't mean you don't still need some parenting. Sure. So one thing I find very useful with my clients, and this can be, I guess, a way to look at it, is like, what would you tell someone else to do in this position right now? Because it's so much easier to like, be able to be like, hey, you know what, you just need to like, call it a day and, you know, and 
You know what I mean? Like we don't feel bad saying that to someone else. Like, you know, just go take a break. But for some reason, when we tell ourselves, it just feel like, oh, I feel bad. I feel guilty. I, I, I'm, you know, whatever, like whatever it is, I have fear, something, you know, but it's like, if you would tell somebody else, like, so that is something I find very helpful. And I've, I find it very challenging when I try to do it to myself. I'm like, all right, probably should practice what I'm preaching. And I'm like, what would I tell someone else right now? Ooh, it kind of like puts you in your place. It's like, I really do need to just take better care of myself right now, whatever it is, you know, and be honest about it and be vulnerable. And yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It's been, I, I, it is going to be interesting when my child starts to talk and can actually tell me how she's doing. Cause right now I'm just interpreting noises and cries. Have fun. I've got two daughters, 15 and 12 and boy, <laughs> it is going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm also trying to remember, I don't know that I'd always want to tell my parents how I'm doing. Cause I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe you can speak to this too. I think something else that happens when somebody asks you how you're doing especially family, um, it's probably, I find it easy to edit because I don't want someone to worry about me mm-hmm. because, you know, even you, like you'll text me, are you doing okay? Like, we'll just have sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, of an intuition, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I guess with you, I can be pretty honest, but sometimes the answer is like, I don't know, not great. And then I don't want that to like make somebody worried because I've, you know, I've had depressive episodes in the past or I don't want them to be thinking about me all day. But like, just because I'm not doing great in that moment, I, but I always want to be like, but I know it's not permanent. Like I, I feel this need to give a disclaimer or just be like, I'm fine. Like that high pitch, like yeah. I'm okay, which, you know, means I'm not telling the truth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I myself am very poker face. So uh, when people see me, they can (laughs) unfortunately see right through me. So um, one piece of advice, which I actually learned from a seminar I went to, I thought this was fabulous. This might be more for teenage boys. I don't know if it's like a gender thing, Um, but I thought this was really cool. So um, because, you know, boys, Mars, Venus, boys are socialized not to, uh, feel as much as women for some whatever reason, but that's a topic for another day. But if you drive, if a parent drives with their teenager in the car, teenage, teenager, girl or boy, let's say, but for this example, it seemed like boys had a harder time. It's easier for them to open up because they're not making eye contact. So it's less intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, yeah. In the same regard, when I was home visiting daddy, joined me to go pick up pizzas. He's like, oh, I'll come with you. Oh. <laughs> and we had a heart to heart because he was looking out the window. Ooh. And then I think when things got uncomfortable, he tried to turn the volume up on the music and I immediately turned it down. <laughs> and then when he got uncomfortable again, he criticized my driving and said I was going to hit the curb, which I, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, but it was easier to talk in the car. So that that's really that's really interesting. So maybe for anyone listening, uh, please take this opportunity once we end the podcast to ask yourself how you're doing, really answer yourself honestly, and uh, and sit with that. And then also take this podcast as a reminder to the next time you ask someone how they're doing to actively listen and see how that feels. How, does that sound like a good exercise to give? 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And then I, I think I'm going to add one thing to that. Um, just had this today as a session. So sometimes when you feel something, let's say something as basic as sadness, you know, it might remind you of like, hey, I remember when I was eight years old, I felt sad, I felt left out, whatever. Like maybe use that as an opportunity to say, what would I go tell like little eight-year-old me? You know, like and kind of like, you know, give her, give her him a little hug. Uh, that exercise makes me more sad. I know, but that's it. Like hurts. Feel. I know, but sometimes feelings are feelings we've experienced before in a different situation, but they get like amplified. I don't know. This could be a whole like too complicated to get into. But yes, if you're kind of just being triggered, let's say, or some memory comes up. Um, yeah, maybe be, use that as an opportunity is all I'm saying to be like, well, what would I, what would I tell that little, uh, version of me? I think it makes me sad because I was so hard on little version of me and I don't want anyone to treat the new little version of me, which is my daughter, Aww. you know, and do anything to them. And then I think about just like, ugh, again, this is a whole other episode, but like yeah. kids being mean to each other. I just, oh. I can't take it. I just, kids are too sweet and and clean slates to have to deal with shit. So, um, but noted, I will, I will go tell little sixth grade Julia who farted in math class that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Thank you. Oh, and also uh, Elena and I are still taking emails. If you want to email, should I get bangs pod at Gmail? Uh, send in any questions. You know, you have a therapist and a comedian here who who want to help. Anything about decision you're trying to make, if you want to share a breakdown or a breakthrough, we'll share them on the air. We won't say your name if you don't want us to. So please am- email should I get bangs pod at gmail. And anything else, Elena? No. All right. That's good. Thank, thank you, Elena. And... Thank you at home for listening. Uh, I'll see you next week. Bye.